Well, Low Baseline, it's uh, great to have you joining us here again today. And uh, right before we jump into the sermon, I just want to let you know that um, as a church, we are working towards opening up our campus again and having uh, some in-person worship. And we're, we are hoping to do that by the end of this month. But I just want to let you know, we all need to be really flexible with this and show each other lots of grace because things are changing constantly. And we wanna make sure that we are creating a space that is gonna be safe for everybody that comes and is also a really good experience spiritually for everybody. So pray along those lines, uh, pray against the COVID virus, pray for wisdom for all of us that are making these decisions. But I just want you to know that we are working towards this, we're talking about it and we're praying about it and would ask you to, to do the same. So sometime soon we will be meeting face to face which will be just awesome it'll be awesome but um hey today i'm going to kind of continue on what ken talked about last week if you saw ken's sermon he did a really wonderful job just talking about change and um he shoot he had three different examples that he used last week uh one was the nation of israel as they left egypt and went into the exodus and into the wilderness and kind of the change that they were experiencing in that time on their way to the promised land uh, he also talked about teaching his kids to swim which any of us that are parents that have done that can relate to the idea of, you know, just and maybe you can remember this, grasping onto the side of the pool and holding on for dear life and then being told to let go and kind of floundering along and getting there and, and, and that whole idea of swimming and that just the, uh, the uncomfortableness of that too. And then he talked about how the early church experienced change, um, how the early church started off with having Jesus with them but then uh, he ascended into heaven and they were on their own and then the Holy Spirit came and gave them this incredible power and insight and, and they start preaching and things are going great in Jerusalem and then there's persecution and they're sent off into all these different lands and that there constantly was this change of different people coming to know Christ and different um, races and um, ethnicities coming to Christ. And so this all this change that was happening in the early church. and. I mean, I think any time we experience change, it is um, unsettling and uncomfortable. And so today, I want to help us think through how do you walk into change? How, do you, how are we supposed to walk through the change that we're experiencing in these days as individuals um, and as a church? And, and the, the answer isn't, isn't anything kind of crazy, and, and it, this is what it is. It's that we're called to walk as people of faith and we're called to be a church of faith and, and by faith I want you to think about faith maybe a little differently um, I see faith as trusting in the character and the promises of God that that is what we're supposed to be holding on to in these days is that we trust in who God is his character and in what he has promised. And that's what we hold on to in these days. And to help us do that, I wanna take a look at the life of Paul, especially from the, the later chapters in, in the book of Acts, and see how he is a great example of somebody that lived um, knowing the character of God and trusting in the promises of God. So to do that, uh, 
I want to first start about where he first meets Jesus. And it happens in Acts chapter 9. And it's, uh, I would say, because of how it's, where it's put in the scriptures and how often it's talked about, it's probably the most important pivotal moment in the book of Acts. And you might remember that, that Paul, who was called Saul, was a, um, doing everything he could to destroy the church. He was uh, helping kill Christians. He was trying to arrest Christians. And in fact, he was on the road to Damascus, from Jerusalem to Damascus. It is, um, it's about 200 miles to get there. It would take him two weeks to walk to Damascus. And he's going there to see if there's anyone in the synagogues who are following the way of Jesus. And he has papers to arrest them and bring them back to Jerusalem. And on the outskirts of Damascus, it says that a, a bright light flashes and knocks him to the ground. And he, and he says, um, he says, uh, he hears a voice, uh, say, uh, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, well, well, who are you? And the voice responds back and says, I'm Jesus. I'm Jesus. And then he says to him, um, now get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. So his friends uh, get him up off the ground. They, he can't see, he's blinded, and they take him into the city. And for three days, he is blind. And he um, is uh, unable, doesn't eat anything or anything along those lines. And at, the, at that time, there's a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord comes to Ananias in a vision and says, Ananias, there's a man at uh, Judas's house on Straight Street named uh, Saul, and you're supposed to go there and you're supposed to pray for him. And, and, and Ananias is like, whoa, wait a minute. I've heard about this Saul. I've heard about what he's done in Jerusalem. I've heard he's coming here to Damascus to arrest any of us that are following after Jesus. And, and the Lord says, no. In verse, in verse 15 of chapter nine, he says, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So Ananias goes and finds Saul and prays for him and scales fall off his eyes and he can see and he tells, them what the, tells him what the Lord has said. Saul, this is what you're supposed to do. You've been chosen by God and you're going to go to the Gentiles and their kings and the people of Israel and tell them all about Jesus. And um, that encounter with, that Paul has with uh, Jesus will be recounted two other times in the book of Acts. I mean, it's a really short book, but three times this story, I was on the road to Damascus, a bright light, Jesus is recounted. It's so important for the whole thing. And pretty much from that moment on, Saul, whose name is changed to Paul, becomes a man of faith. He, he's trusting in God's character, and he's trusting in the promises that God has spoken to him. And he's all about telling the story of Jesus. And that moment is a crucial moment in the life of Paul. Now, I've, um, I've shared this story before. I had a similar moment, not quite as dramatic maybe as, as Saul, but a similar moment happened to me. I was um, a junior in high school, I'd gotten involved with Young Life, was involved with my local Presbyterian church, and the church had a, a winter retreat that I went on. 
And so we went up in the mountain somewhere, some camp someplace, I'm not even sure where it was. But um, on that Sunday morning, the last morning that we were there, I guess like all good church camps, they said, okay, uh, we're gonna go around and pick up trash around the camp. So they gave each of us a trash bag and said, go around and, and pick up trash wherever you see it. And it was kind of a um, overcast, drizzly morning. And I remember walking around and just kind of off on my own, just picking up trash wherever I saw it and got my bag and going around. And I kind of off myself, kind of went down a place. And then all of a sudden, as best as I can remember, the clouds parted, a bright light shone in front of me. And, and I didn't hear an audible voice, but I heard a voice in my spirit say, Don, I'm going to do great things through you. And as quickly as it all happened, the clouds were back together and I was just there. I was like, wow, what just happened? But I've often gone back to that moment and felt like God wanted to speak that truth to me. Similar to what happened to Paul on that road to Damascus. Now, now, so God said to me, I'm gonna do great things through you, that's wonderful. But to Paul, he says, hey, you're gonna to preach to the Gentile kings, okay? So I'm not trying to say I am on the same level with Paul at all. I'm just saying I've experienced something similar to what Paul experienced. And for Paul, again, from that moment, that on that road to Damascus, he basically became the greatest evangelist of his day. That his life was all about starting and strengthening churches. And he would travel around with people like uh, Barnabas and Silas, uh, Timothy, Luke would be with him. And with these men, he went all around the Mediterranean. And he went into Asia, um, Asia Minor and he, and he started churches. And his whole life was all about helping people come to know Jesus. And, and my life has been similar that way too. Whether it was students through Young Life or being a part of the church, my life from that moment at that camp for the most part, has been about helping people come to know Jesus. So um, for Paul, after about a, a decade of traveling around as a missionary and starting churches and all that, he, he's on his way back to Jerusalem. He's, um, he's collecting an offering for the people that are um, in Jerusalem who are poor and in need. And so he's carrying this offering back to Jerusalem and, and he's on his way back and he, and he stops uh, right outside the city of Ephesus. And he's gonna have his kind of final time with the elders uh, from this church in Ephesus. And, and it's a really uh, poignant, um, emotional, heartfelt moment that Paul has with these people from this church. And, and, and near the end of their time there, this is what Paul says to these elders who've gathered. He says in, verse 20, in chapter 20 of Acts, verse 22, he says, and now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. So, so one thing we learn about Paul from just that one little statement is that he's really in tune with what the Holy Spirit is speaking to him. He, he's consistently a man who's following the Lord's leading in his life. And he really believes that the Lord is leading him in this way. But I have to wonder a little bit, if I was him, if the Lord was telling me, hey, I'm not sure what's ahead, but I do know that prison 
and hardship is ahead, I might have thought, you know, Ephesus is a nice place to retire. I wonder if there's a nice community here somewhere. I could just stay and kind of live out the rest of my days and people could come visit me here and, and all that. But again, Paul is driven by the calling God has on his life. And he continues in verse 24 and he says, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. That's what he knew God had called him to do, to testify to this good news of God's grace, and, and nothing will keep him from completing that. So Paul and his, and his companions get back on their ship. They make their way to Jerusalem, and when they get to Jerusalem, the church is in this incredible turmoil. Uh, the Jew, the Christian Christianity at that point was so tied into the Jewish faith still. And there were many Jewish Christians who believed that Paul was preaching against the Jewish faith that was so important to them. And so he gets to Jerusalem at this time. He, he, he goes through a um, kind of a ceremony to try and show people that he's on in there with them and all that, but it doesn't work. And all of a sudden, right at the end, he's been there about a week, a bunch of people grab him and pull him out of the temple area and begin to beat him to death. The um, commander of the Roman guard in Jerusalem hears that there's a riot happening in the city and he and his soldiers come in and they, and they save Paul from these people and push them all away. And, and they're taking Paul back to the barracks to kind of put him into a, a cell. And, and as they're going and the crowd is following behind, you can just imagine the tension in the air and what this would be like. And as they're taking Paul into the barracks, they get up to the top of the barracks and, and Paul asks the commander, hey, can I speak to the crowd? And the commander says, sure. And, and then Paul uh, begins to speak to the crowd in Aramaic, which is the, the language of the people that were following. And he tells his story. The same story from before. I was on the road to Damascus. You know about how I, what I've done in terms of trying to arrest and even kill Christians. A light knocked me down, and it was Jesus who said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And they told me, here's what I'm supposed to do. And then he gets to a point where he says, and then the Lord told me I was supposed to go to the Gentiles and as soon as he says that word, the Jewish people start to go crazy again. And they kind of come in and they're again, they're gonna try and grab uh, Paul away from the soldiers and all that. And so the soldiers rush him back into the barracks, into the cell, and they're like, what is going on? So the commander says, look, let's just flog this guy. So they, they put him down and they got him ready to be flogged. And then and Paul turns to the guy and says, hey, are you allowed to flog Roman citizens? And they go, oh, whoa. So you're a Roman citizen. Say no. So then the next day, the commander's trying to figure out what's going on here. He brings the Sanhedrin, which is the Jewish uh, ruling group together. He brings Paul in. And again, they're kind of trying to figure out what is going on here. And again, 
Paul talks about what he's doing, who he is. He gets punched in the middle of this whole time by someone there in the Sanhedrin. And again, he gets to a point where he's, what he says creates such turmoil in this meeting that again, the crowd is starting to go after him and trying to rip him apart, actually. The soldiers grab him, they take him back to the barracks, they put him in his cell, and he's just sitting there. And I have to wonder what Paul's thinking. I mean, I put myself in his shoes. I mean, he's heard the Holy Spirit. Yeah, there's prison and there's possible hardship coming, but, but you know, he, he's kind of let go of the side of the pool, right? And, and he's in the middle of all this change and this turmoil. But I, I wonder if he has to wonder, what really, is, was I gonna be beaten to death? Was I gonna be arrested? Was I, was I gonna be flogged and then thrown back into the barracks again? And, and is this Lord what it was really all about? And, and that night in his cell by himself, a really beautiful moment happens. And it's in Acts 23, verse 11. It says this, the following night, right after all this had happened, the Lord stood near Paul and said, take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also test, testify in Rome. Wow. I love that. That the Lord stood near him and said, take courage. Take courage. I know how hard this has been for you. I know this hasn't been easy, but, but, but take courage. And I mean, I believe all of us come to a place in our life with Christ. All of us come maybe to multiple times in our life with Christ, where we so need the Lord to stand near us and say, take courage. I'm still with you. Continue to be a person of faith. C continue to trust in God's character and, and in his promises for you. He wants to be near us and help us to have courage. And, and I honestly think that all of us <laughs> are in the midst of a really difficult time with all the COVID stuff that's going on and, and a lot of the racial turmoil that we experienced in the last month. And, and we're all at this place of just feeling this change is going on and it's so difficult and discouraging at times. I mean, honestly, I know for myself I felt that way. This has been the most difficult time for me in ministry. Really. Not being able to connect face-to-face -face with people and wondering if people are, are, are the messages we're doing connecting. Are they, it, it is the hardest time in, in my ministry. And I know I need the Lord to stand near me and to say, take courage. Take courage. Hold on to your faith. I'm there. And that's what happens to Paul on this beautiful night in that prison cell. Now, I wish I could tell you that everything just gets great right away, but it doesn't. Because he wakes up in the morning and he hears that there are 40 men who have made a vow that they will not eat again until Paul is killed. 
right away. The uh, Roman authorities hear about this, and, and this just blows me away. But the, that day, 470 Roman soldiers escort this one man, Paul, out of Jerusalem to help make the 75-mile trip to Caesarea, which is where the Roman government is located. That's what they do. And so Paul is taken over to Caesarea, and in Caesarea, the Roman governor is a man named Felix. And Felix wants to hear, why, what is going on here? Why are you causing such turmoil in Jerusalem? What's happening? So he tells his story. And he tells him about faith in Christ. That's what he tells the Roman governor. The Roman governor doesn't know what to do with him and just keeps him in uh, being arrested for two years. I mean, I've really grown impatient of the last three, four months of being like we are. For two years, Paul is under house arrest or in jail, basically. A new Roman governor comes in, a man named Festus. Again, Paul tells his story. Festus brings in this man named Agrippa, who's the highest ranking Jewish authority or a person in that area. Paul tells him his story. That's what he does. And then near the end of his time with Agrippa, he, he says this to, he's telling a story, and he says, here's what Jesus told me. Jesus telling Paul, Acts 26. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. You see, Paul has held on to this call in his life for decades. No matter what has happened, no matter what hardships he has experienced, he knows that this is what God has called him to do, to open people's eyes, to help them to move from darkness into light, from the power of Satan into the power of God, to experience God's grace and forgiveness in their life, and to be a part of the gospel, of, or of actually of the kingdom of God. And Paul's not finished yet, because God has promised him that he will end up in Rome, and to Rome he will go. So, what about us? I mean, I feel like we're all living in this time of uncertainty and discomfort. It, it is a time of change. And, and I know personally I felt it. I think our church has felt it also. And I believe that God is calling us to respond as people of faith, of, of people who really trust in God's character and trust in the promises that he says to us. And that we aren't supposed to get distracted so much by the circumstances around us. That we aren't allowing the circumstances to dominate our heart and our mind in these days. But to allow the character and the promises of God to be what we hold on to. And as we kind of maybe let go of the side of that pool and we're 
floundering along trying to swim, we know that, that God is in with us because of his character. And so we don't worry so much about the circumstances that we're experiencing. And we keep our eye on the prize. And the prize for all of us is this, is knowing Jesus Christ in an intimate way and helping others come to know him. Helping others to have their eyes opened, to helping others to move from darkness into light, from the power of Satan into the power of God, to experience God's grace in its fullness, and to realize that they can be a part of the kingdom of God right now. That is what we're called to do. So here's the step I want you to take. Whatever um, difficult situation you're facing right now, whatever change that's churning up inside of you, to, um, to use that as an opportunity to testify to the good grace of God, to, to lean into it in such a way that you're showing that you're trusting who God is and you're not allowing the circumstances to dominate who you are how you think, what you say, but to really step into and say, God, I know you're with me with what I'm going through right now and help me to testify to your grace in the midst of this. Whatever you're facing this next day, this next week, this next month, step into it knowing that God will stand with you and he will say, be of courage. Let me pray for us. Oh, so Lord, these are troubling times. And our prayer, Lord, is that we would sense that you are with us. You're standing with us. You're walking with us. You're holding us up when we feel like we're drowning. And so Lord, with everyone, who's uh, watching this here today, I pray that they would experience the nearness of Jesus in their life. And help us, Lord, so much to be people of faith. Grow our faith, Lord. Help us to really trust in who you are and to trust in the good promises that you've made. And may that be what we stand upon this next week. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, Kyle's going to um, lead us in a song of response, and um, I pray that you will experience uh, the goodness of God with you as he sings.